this morning is Vision Sunday, and we want to share with you something of the heart of God that we see him doing and also calling us into as a local church. So let's just pray and then we'll get into this. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your, um, for your spirit among us this morning. We thank you for the generosity of your kindness, your forgiveness, your, your mercy, your restoration and your power among us. And we ask for more, God. More, because we want to, we want to, I mean, we came in here today, Lord, at a measure of what it means when Paul said, um, be alive to God in Romans 11. And so, um, we, but, but Lord, we want to be even more alive by the time we leave. So we just give you authority and permission to continue to call us out of our old self and into our new understanding of who we are in Jesus that we might live a full life for your glory and for our joy and the well-being of others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Vision Sunday is a very um, strategic and important um, launching pad, I guess I could call it, because what, this, what we're doing at this morning is we're actually starting to articulate where we believe the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us of what God is doing and where he'd like us to join him in seeing his kingdom come into the earth. Now, why is vision so important? Well, Solomon said it like this. In the NIV, he said, in the NIV version, it's recorded as, where there is no revelation, in brackets, vision, the people cast off restraint but blessed is he who keeps the law. Well, if you're reading it in the message version, it sounds like this. If people cannot see what God is doing, they stumble over themselves. But when they attend to what God is revealing, they are most blessed. Oh, that great. I love that. If you can't see what God is doing, People stumble over themselves, or as the NIV records it, they cast off restraint. And it's, it's a very, when Solomon wrote those, that, that scripture in Proverbs, he actually had a very strong picture in mind of the story of God's people at the mountain when they had already said no to meeting with God as a nation and they kind of sent Moses up the hill as their rep because they didn't want intimacy with God. And they, in Moses' absence, up there on the mountain with God, the people turned to themselves. They stumbled over themselves. And if you read the account in the book of Exodus, they take off all their gold and they, you know, fire it up in kilns and they make these golden statues and they start bowing down and worshipping, you know, idols. And, and then they start participating in all forms of, you know, hedonistic revelry, and they just go crazy. And, and the reason why they're doing that is because they have no compelling sense of direction and authoring of the presence of God in their life. And this is what we do when God's not leading us. We, we stumble over ourselves. We stumble over ourselves. This is why vision is important. It helps us to walk in the power of the Spirit and to be a people who walk life according to what we see God doing. What we see God doing. And what we have seen God do through the revelation of his son Jesus is establish his kingdom rule and reign in the earth. Now Jesus even lived in this reality. In, uh, in John 5, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father is doing, the Son also does. Jesus lived with vision. 
because he could see what his father was doing and that he gave himself to. This is why vision is important. Now, we could set this thing up here at the vineyard like it's a machine, turn it on and just let it run out its days. And we could couch it in all sorts of good, you know, infrastructure and language and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, we don't want to do what we want as the leaders of this church. We actually want to do what we see Jesus doing. And we want to put our hand to what he's doing in both general terms and specific. We want to put our hand, our heart and our resources to what the Holy Spirit is saying at this time in this season. And that requires a whole bunch of processing, let me tell you. So before we actually unpack what sense of vision is this morning, I want to explain to you how we got there. Because it's really important that you understand this. You see, every year, Nicole and I, we invite the elders of the church and the leadership ministry department areas of the life of the church to come together for a day of prayer and seeking the Lord. But before we meet with them, we ask everyone to please personally take time to pray. Some even fast. I don't fast. Not unless the Lord really wants me to fast. But some fast and we seek the Father's heart for what he wants us to partner with, what he's doing for the coming year. And we come together for a day and we share that today and we put it on the table. Or in this case, it ends up looking something like this, if I can bring it up. It ends up looking something like that on a whiteboard. Now that just looks like a whole bunch of spaghetti, doesn't it? <laughs> but in, 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 in the processing of us pouring out our hearts before God, we actually start to hear the Holy Spirit together and we start to come together. Now, for those of you who may ever come to my house, yes, that's the Wi-Fi password down on the bottom right-hand corner. But that's something of what it looks like after we've fasted and prayed and, and shared together what we sense God is saying. And then what we do is we take this time of being in prayer together and waiting on the Lord. And so we took the time to do this in November and through the December-January period, it was kind of like a good bottle of wine that's just been made you have to allow it to ferment you have to allow it that season to be be able to breathe and begin to break down but yet at the same time form the wine so it's a process so we just kind of let it sit before the lord in our hearts and every time we kind of walk past the whiteboard or whatever like we just allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak and teach and articulate to our hearts. And so in the, in then in February, what we do is we then get back together with the crew, the team, the elders, and then we articulate what we think God is saying with a sense of both discernment and the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, while this has been going on, fermenting before the Lord, over here we gave to a number of prophetic voices that are among us who are growing in their capacity to hear the Lord and to speak his words. We gave to that little group of people who are learning what it means to operate prophetically a whole series of words that we felt were from the Lord. And we said, can you guys just process that? Because you know how the scripture says, you know, the prophets should be subject to the prophets. So we just gave them all these prophetic words and said, here, why don't you go away and process that? Tell us what you're getting a hunch out of all of that is really core and what we can just let go. And so they did that. They spent time processing a bunch of prophetic words and then they fed back to what God was speaking to us. And so 
to be honest, I think in total, there's probably somewhere between 30 to 35 people involved in this process. And you know what? That totally excites me. That seriously excites me. Because what we're doing is we're allowing the grace of God that's on the body of Christ to mature and come into its rightful place. And we can begin together to hear the voice of the Lord and walk in what he's asking of us. I love what God is doing in this season. So last year, you may remember that we had this little catchphrase being a display people, one love on display, which was born out of Philippians chapter 2. And before we get into this year, I just want to acknowledge what God did last year. I want to say that God, in his beauty, in his faithfulness and his power, brought all sorts of expression and fruit to the fulfillment of the oneness that he was pursuing for us and inviting us into. You may remember in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Paul, as, as the, the, their apostolic leader, as their pastor, he was saying, would you people at Philippi, church at Philippi, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love and being one in spirit and purpose. And I can truly attest to and point to moments of how God has truly fulfilled that among us and that there is a deepening maturing going on of what it means to be one people living with one heartbeat, yet being like-minded and having the same love for God and being of the same spirit and purpose. I love what God has done through the last 12 months. So what had the prophetic voices been saying? Let's get into this stuff. Now, you may remember in early November last year, we had a weekend together where we were seeking God and we even had Ken Fish here teaching into the prophetic work of the Holy Spirit. And if you were here on that Sunday morning, there was a you know, usual ministry time, but something happened in the course of ministry time where the Holy Spirit began to move and, and fall on people with with prophetic words or pictures, um, and, and there was four of them that came forward that morning. You may remember that. Um, and then in the course of one of those, as they were being articulated, someone was prophesying them, you may remember like it was actually young Rebecca, and at the end of the word when she said, you know, I saw the Lord fall like lightning, and as she said, just finished that word, lightning, literally as the G came out of her mouth, there was an almighty clap of thunder in the natural, and this whole building shook, and everyone went, whoa, were you, was anyone here for that? Does everyone remember that? The hands up. There was one of those moments where it was like, the building just shook, you know, uh, you know, it kind of gave some real understanding of what happened in the book Acts where it says they met together and the spirit was poured out and the building they met together in was literally shaken by the presence of God. So as this prophetic word was uttered, the, 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 the manifest power of God through the heavens, the natural, was giving assent to what was being released. And it was one of those what you would call God moments like, whoa. And everyone was kind of like, like, almost like the fear of, you know, the healthy fear of God kind of went, whoa, I think we're getting close here, you know. So what were the prophets saying? Well, there was four um, kind of prophetic words and, and I have copies of them all word for word, but to surmise them for you, they were these. The key words that the, that the Lord was saying was wake up. Get up, wash the sleep from your eyes. There is a season of angelic visitation taking place. And at the same time, there was a sense of, this isn't just something peculiar to Vineyard Pine Rivers, but there was a regional awakening to both God, uh, to both the people of God and the church and people in general. And I've written there... Um, that two of them, 
two of the prophetic words that came forward that day were of a fiery meteor shower taking place over the southeast corner of Queensland. Um, There was this great sense of, in the detail of those words, both those two key words there in capitals, of both repentance and renewal. Repentance meaning um, it's time to change the way we think about God. That's the true meaning of that word repentance. So in Jesus' first message, he steps into his public ministry in Mark 1 and he says, repent and believe that the kingdom of God has come among you. So what Jesus is saying is, people, it's time to change the way we think about the revelation of who God is in Jesus Christ. You need to change the way we think. That's what repentance really means. It means to actually, um, in some senses, it it literally means uh, to turn around and go in a new direction. And it also means to be able to, once a, you know, I don't want to use the cross as an illustration, but look at, look at, historically I've looked at this computer screen from this direction. But now I'm looking at it from this direction. So there's a shift in the way that we think and understand who God is in Jesus Christ. That's the, first, that's, that, that's the first key word that was coming through in all of that. And with that, alongside that, was a sense of renewal. People coming alive in their relationship to God. And I've got to say, since then to now, I've had wonderful, many wonderful encounters with people who are, who are showing the signs of that that this is their experience, that it's like they've been in this sidelined kind of reality to life and they're now awakening to Jesus and they're actually changing the way they're thinking about who Jesus is and they're coming alive in their life and love for Jesus and for others. So this is what the kind of the prophetic words were in season that God is bringing to us. And so I sent those words off to that little group of prophetic people and said, hey, just chew on that before God for me, will you? And come back to me with the goods. And they did. And it was a wonderful, just litany of people saying, this is a confirming thing to what God has been saying over here, here and here in, in what he's been talking to us about. And it's it was an incredible, wonderful, affirming experience. These, these are the things that Jesus is doing regionally. Regionally. And it's in the context of this sense of God is moving. He's waking people up. He's inviting people to get up and wash the sleep from their eyes and change the way they think about him. It's into the context of that that he says this to us. He says this to us. Well, what are you saying, God, (laughs) through all of that? Keeping in mind what you're saying you're doing in the heavens and the earth. Someone got a Bible. I need need three people to grab their Bible and quickly run up here, seeing as it's Bible time. Three people, just David's got one. He doesn't even know what he's going to read yet. David, you can read Romans 12, 3 to 21. I need two more people. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31, and 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Seeing as you're turning the mic on, Trent, you can stay there. All right, so David, Romans 12, 12 to, th- uh, sorry, 3 to 21. Romans 12, 3 to 21. Follows on from the worship bit read before. I should just read that as well. Anyway. Romans 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according to according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as I'm reading the King James Version, fine, just as it turns out. 
Ezekiel. <laughs> For as I say through the grace given unto every man that is among you, I'm going to start again because I just did, excuse me. For as we have many members in one body and all the members have not the same office. You know what? I'm going to change it. That was my son playing. For the Verse 3 of chapter 12 of Romans. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practise hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thanks, David. So David's going to ring, uh, read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, 
Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Then, miracles. Then, gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gift. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. Thanks, mate. And Trent, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18. Is that it? Okay. Yeah, that's right. it. Okay. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Thanks, Trent. It's pretty evident. Like, those three scriptures were all there that day that came out on our whiteboard at various times in our conversation from different individuals. And so we could clearly hear that God is actually wanting his church to know who she is. Um, for the last number of years, right across the body uh, of Christ, all over, wherever I've met with people from across planet Earth, one of the key messages that has been spoken and taught, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is the understanding of the identity of the individual in Jesus Christ. And that has been a message that has been honed and hammered and books have been written and seminars and conferences because God has been wanting to get through to the individual to know who they are in Christ so that they can live from who they are in Jesus. We have a hunch, as we've spent time with the Lord, the Lord is actually now turning up that conversation and that right across what I think will come from, not just from here, but we will begin to hear messages of identity, but not of the individual, but of the body of Christ. This is the healthy outworking of what it means to be someone who knows who they are, because then they can operate in relationship with others, giving them the freedom to be who they are in God and celebrate that. God has been speaking and is speaking to us so that we might understand and have a richer, more dynamic, more powerful corporate experience and identity as the body of Christ. So that we no longer just listen with ears of self, but we listen with ears of we together. We together. With this, the Holy Spirit will bring freedom and you will find, as even as I am, a freedom and a power to reject individualization at the expense of kingdom, life and community. And with the same freeing work of the Holy Spirit, the powerful hunger and embrace to want to be together who God is calling us to be as his church. This will be a work of the Spirit. It's been interesting, the last 40, 48 to 72 hours, I was struck with a virus. And it happened to me on Thursday morning. I could literally feel it coming on me while I was driving in the car, I just, crazily enough, I had just been to see, see my GP to get a script repeat um, because I'd run out. And so I needed a script repeat. And as I finished with that, got back in the car, was driving home. All of a sudden, I could feel just this, just this illness coming on me. So I get out of the car eventually and I sa said to Nick, I feel terrible. And we prayed and then I spent the next 72 hours battling a virus. Now, my mind was saying, come on, get off me. Let's get through this. I haven't got time for this sickness stuff. I got things to do. Jesus is doing stuff and I want to join him. But the part that I couldn't see, which was my immune system, was in there punching for all it's worth to overcome and to rid my body of this illness that was at work in me. And I could tell it was at work 
Because one of the telltale signs that, for me, when I'm fighting a virus, is that my, I, around my neck here, I begin to break out in like a really heavy red like rash. It's like this heat rash thing comes on me. And I know I'm fighting with illness at that point. And at that, I was able to go, thank you, immune system, you're at work. <laughs> Even though I can't see you, I thank you that you're at work in me and you are ridding me of this illness. And so my mind and my immune system were one in fighting this illness. And after 72 hours, it broke and lifted from my body. But I just thought it was an interesting experience leading up to wanting to talk about the fact that God is calling the body to be the body together. Not just attend the body, not just frequent the body, not just come and throw a few coins at the body, not just to give mental assent to, oh yeah, I belong to that place. That's not what God's inviting us into here. God's inviting us to be a better person than we already are by living out our true identity together. God's calling us to be the body of Christ. And with this, we will see God having to overcome in us our understanding of what family truly is. Eugene Peterson says it like this. He said, if God is my father, then this is my family. That's a great short punchy truth. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't say anything about that, whether or not I get on with my family or I love my family or I appreciate everything that my family does. Nonetheless, at the end of the day, if God is our Father and if He's calling us to be Vineyard Pine Rivers, this is our family. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you not the individual. Paul's not talking to the individual. He's talking to the gathered people of God. He's saying, now you, or if you want to say it like this, you guys are, and he makes a declaration of identity, you guys are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Now we can kick and scream against that. We can turn up when we think we want to turn up and pay our dues or, you know satisfy that religious you know, spirit that wants to drive our life, or we can actually be who God's inviting us to be for his greater glory and for a better us in him. And with that, we, we heard in those scriptures about the way that the grace of God rests on various people in the body of Christ. And with that, a sense of celebration and honour about the way God does move through each other and toward each other and for the benefit of each other. Turn to the person near you and just say to them, I'm a blessing to you. Just say it. Turn near them. Turn to someone near you and say, I'm a blessing to you. See, you carry... You carry the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and you have been endowed with the grace of God to be a blessing to the people that we walk life with in the church and through the church. Now, I want you to turn to the people near me, near you, and say to them, look them square in the eye when you say this, you are a blessing to me. It's that very blessing of the grace of God that's on all of our lives that over this next little while, together, God is wanting to mobilise and activate because there are people who don't know what family is and they need to know family because this is what the kingdom of God is. It is the family of our Father in heaven through Christ. I just found it interesting. There's like a TV show starting next week. I just saw the advert two nights ago while I was fevering away on the couch. Uh, it was like um, Arne Do, the Vietnamese comedian, and Chrissy, what's her name, the radio host, uh, they're doing this show where they're going and helping people find their family that are lost. And the, the start of the advert was something like, there's so many people in this nation 
who have, are lost, have lost family or they're lost to their family and they're all hungry to be reconnected again. See, God is, God is in, I think God's empowering that because he's saying that to his church. He wants his church to be family so that those in the world who don't understand kingdom family can be family. Now, the other is this. Romans talked about it. Corinthians talks about it. And we here in the vineyard, we have an, a little saying called everyone gets to play. We thoroughly believe and have a, a, an understanding that the scriptures call us together as the body of Christ all of us are anointed to do the works of Jesus. Everyone gets to participate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit as he administrates and as he anoints and appoints and activates in situation after situation. Everyone does get to play, but not everyone gets to lead. Now, I'm not making a defence of myself here. I'm just laying out a biblical truth that God puts order in his church and grace upon people. And even Jesus walked. It says that the scriptures say that Jesus himself grew in favour and stature in the eyes of others. In other words, the measure of grace that you have on your life is an invitation to stewardship. And as you steward that, God can grow that and God can, through you, grow the effect of the fruitfulness of that through your life. It's an issue of stewardship. Everyone gets to play, but not everyone gets to lead. We all belong to this part of the body of Christ. We are giving ourselves to what the Spirit is doing in this hour and we are members of of the one body, and we get to participate together in the grace that's on our life. And there will be, according to Romans and 1 Corinthians, there will be those who will lead us, and there will be those among us that grow, and there is in our invitation. Paul uses the word, key word, honour. And we're going to explore what that really means, to honour the ministry of God's grace through others. And it takes healthy people who understand who they are to be able to enjoy that journey without fear, without sense of risk. So there is a sense of body activation and honour is going to be a very key part in that. Let me quickly flick on to this next bit. In our, on our whiteboard, while there was a lot going on up on our whiteboard, there was this one little scripture that the Holy Spirit kept stirring and stirring and pointing at, and it's kind of just above my Wi-Fi code down there. And it's Jeremiah 20, verse 9. And as we spent time with the Lord on this one, the situation of that scripture where Jeremiah, he's like a prophet to, to God's people. And he's got a message to them, which is basically, hey, people of God, turn away from all of your, you know, your, your hardness of heart to God. Turn away from all of your, your practices because guess what? See Babylon over there? It's coming fast and it's going to take us into captivity. And we're going to be dispossessed of everything that God's given us. And the people of God didn't like that. They didn't like what Jeremiah was bringing. And what they did was they threw him in prison. They beat him up a little bit. The temple governor beat him up and then said, now get out of here, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah at this point in chapter 20 is in a place of, are you sure you know what you're doing, God? Because I'm really not happy with the way my life is being spent right now. You've called me to do this. I'm doing it as faithfully as I can. And I'm now getting beat up for doing it. And to be honest, God, this, this is the moment of honesty for Jeremiah. He's at the point where he says, honestly, God, from this moment on, I'm done. 
I'm done even having your name on my lips. I am so done. He's in that moment. You ever had one of those moments with God <laughs> where he said do something and you've tracked with him into it and it's like, it's all gone Jeremiah-ish. <laughs> so it's like, and you're just getting beaten, picked on and, you know, pushed around and it's just, I'm done. This is where Jeremiah's at. He's beaten, he's been in prison, he's released, and now he's complaining bitterly to God about the assignment that God gave him. And he declares, that's it, God, I'm not using your name anymore. And, he's, and in his conversation with God, it sounds like this in verse 9, he says, but if I say, I will not mention him, that is God, or speak his name, his word is in my heart like a fire. It's a fire that's shut up in my bones and I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. So even though he's fed up, he's now at this point where he's saying to God, this is no fair, God. I, I, I don't want to speak about you anymore because look where it's got me, but I'm... I'm at this point of, God, I'm having to expend all my energy. I'm having to expend all my capacity to try and hold you in me. And now I am weary from this. I am worn out from trying to shut down the callings of God on my life. I'm exhausted by saying, no, God, no, he is worn down by this and the fire of the love of God and the purposes and the callings of God that is in Jeremiah is now pushing through his fatigue and he's saying, Jeremiah, it's all about me. I believe that as God is moving in this season, there are many Christians both among us and at the body at large who due to their history and their story of trying to follow God's assignments that he has called them to and placed in their hearts, they have found themselves taking a number of hits, experienced a lot of pain, and they chose somewhere along the line to shut it all down. But the fire of God that is in your heart and your bones, I believe, is rising in this season. I've written in brackets there, there is a season or a moment of renewed assignments in God, a call to return and stop working against God's plan for your life. Stop expending your energy. You wonder why you're tired and fatigued and worn out. Stop fighting with God. Let his fire have its way in you. Let his callings give you information and empowering for the life that he's saved you to live. He has a kingdom to advance in the earth. And like Jeremiah, many of us have expended lots of physical, emotional relational and even financial effort to avoid what God has already made abundantly clear to our hearts. We believe God is coming like fire and with that fire is renewed callings to the prophetic words that he has spoken to you long ago. It's in your bones and it's inescapable. It's in your bones and it's inescapable. We believe God will bring with this a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire that we might agree with what God wants to do in this season. Because in this season, I've written there through VCFPR, Deuteronomy 15 and 19, they are the stories of the cities of refuge where what God did for the people of Israel was when they um, had 
committed a, a grievous sin and there was no mercy under the law for that sin, God established these cities of refuge where people could go and, f- and find safety and mercy in their time of need. That's who God's making us to be, a city of refuge for the people of our region, for the people who have sinned and forgotten who they are and they need a place to come to find mercy in their time of need. Deuteronomy 15 and 19, go and read that. That's some homework there for you. VCFPR has been and will continue to grow to be a place where people can come and find a group of believers who know who they are and isn't afraid of their stuff. Is not afraid of their stuff because we know who we are in Jesus. No sin too big. No brokenness too, 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 too sharp. But we are established as the people of Jesus. A city of refuge. That's who we are and that's who we'll be. Better together in him. That's his calling to us. And I know I'm painting a big picture and we're going to break it down and we'll walk it through and we'll immobilise and we'll equip and we'll release through the course of this year. But that's what God's inviting us into and it's an amazing adventure. It's the kind of adventure that's filling my head at night when I'm sleeping with dreams of God and what he's going to do with us as a people as better together. Now to finish with, it's really important that I take a minute just to share with you what's happening with Nicole and I because you guys are a part of our story. You're a very big part of our story. It's through you guys and the love that God has given us for you that we now find ourselves in another situation (laughs) of God's good calling. As most of you know, Nick and I have been called by God, both through prophetic words that have been sent to us over the last few years, by direct conversation with the Lord, and through the Australian Vineyard movement, the pastors of the movement, God has called Nicole and I to lead Vineyard Australia from June the 1st this year. And it's an initial five-year term. So what that means is this. Vineyard Australia is a, is a movement of 20 churches and we're coming off the back end of probably two and a half years of the most rigorous experience uh, of just the church being ripped at nationally and, and there's been great devastation. And we've seen the church go, this movement called Vineyard Australia, over that period of time, go from being approximately in the low 30s to now 20 churches. There has been assaults of the enemy. There's been soulish activity of people. It's just been destructive at every level. And it's into that context that God is saying, Kirk, Nick, now, I need you now. And the Lord has seen fit to appoint us into this place from June. Now with that comes a workload that's way more than we can resource in the natural. But we will be working uh, at that a couple of days a week. Just in capitals there, they're some of the primary things that I'll be doing. Giving vision for the national movement. Articulating, mobilising and defending the DNA of the vineyard movement. I'll be operating in relationships with Vineyard International across the world because there's something like 1,600 vineyard churches across the planet now. Involved in the pastoral, frontline pastoral care efforts of 
the senior pastors of the movement and the administration of everything that takes that makes that happen. Now, big story. How's the fire in the bones? How's the fire in the bones? How is the fire in the bones? This next 12 months, this next 12 months, there will be, and we are going to teach into this and we're going to empower this, an awakening to our true identity as the body of Christ. We're going to learn to be a people who celebrate and honour the grace of God in others and we're going to see the fire in our bones inform us and fuel us to do the very thing that God's calling us to be, which is better together in him which is better together in him. This is where we're going. This is what we're tracking into. And I've painted a very big canvas for us this morning, I realise. And I thank you for hanging with me as we've tried to just bring all that together. But that's where we're going. That's where we're going this year. So why don't we just stand and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show us where we are in that work of his Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you're you're speaking and saying in this season. And we here are here for you and for your glory. It's all about you and your good kingdom. And thank you that you've saved us up into what you're doing through Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you've saved each and every one of us that has said yes to you. You've called us up into your good kingdom. And now in the name of Jesus, I just declare with the authority of the word of God, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you are a part of it. I make that declaration over you in the name of Jesus and with the authority of his good word to you in this season. Now, Holy Spirit, for each of us right now, begin to show us our part, our part in that great work of yours in this season. Show us, Lord. Begin to give dreams and visions and pictures and passion and enthusiasm and zeal for you in such a measure, Lord, that we will no longer try to contain or hold you at bay, but that our lives would be given unto you. And even as that scripture from Romans 12 started out as, the precursor to that is that we would be a living sacrifice a living sacrifice. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just begin speaking to people. And as you do that, Holy Spirit, we're just going to open up the front right now for people to come and receive healing.